0: Welcome to another episode of Contacts with Advanced Design. Uh, this is Hector, and we are—we have the pleasure to have <laughs> Brittany Pieroni here with us in our studio on this lovely Sunday morning. Yes. Um, and also, I know that when you walked into the studio, it was just cold. It was cold. I just went outside, and it's snowing. Oh, really? <laughs> so, welcome to Chicago.
1: Oh gosh. <laughs>
0: yeah so tell us let's kind of kick things off and um you know for those who are listening let's just give them some context why are you in chicago
1: well um i came actually for a birthday (laughs) and i have a big design community of friends here thanks to the revision conference and i mean obviously there's also a lot of industrial designers here that I think just like the Bay, Chicago is one of those cities that people come to for architecture, design, et cetera. So I had some relationships here and I've, I love Chicago. So I've been here probably like six or seven times. Um, and I wanted to kind of bring people together and just start doing these like group chats, something that has been in the works for probably about a year of just processing. How do I want to put this out? And, bringing young people together that have drive and are kind of trying to navigate. So anything that I can do to help facilitate people thinking, even if it's just like a therapy session, (laughs) uh, I think that's something that is worthwhile and something that I'm really passionate about. So we're going to do one of those today and yeah, I'm excited.
0: Super excited for that. And um, that, that sounds fantastic. I think that really lines up with, you know what, we do with advanced design and just trying to one make education accessible through dialogue, through other initiatives, but also bringing the community together. Yeah, it's a small family, and I think we should all it take is. care of each other. So, um, but let's take a couple steps back and uh, um, let's tell our audience a little bit about you, mm-hmm. where you're from, and then kind of how you got to design.
1: Yeah. Um- how I got to design. Wow. Hmm. Uh, you know, I always think it's funny how industrial design specifically is the degree that's like everybody that got into it kind of like stumbled into it. Like there, there were so many people that I met that like found the degree like two weeks before school started. I was like, that sounds cool. <laughs> that's um, so wild. But also people, when you say, Oh yeah, my degree's in industrial design. It's like, what do you design factories? Mm-hmm. Like I, <laughs> no not industrial like
0: (laughs) manufacturing manufacturing or or engineering engineering. yeah
1: Yeah. um but yeah so my story is is um interesting because I actually wanted to be an architect and I was in high school I was making teapots in ceramics and I think ever since I was little like my mom really pushed us to kind of just learn how we wanted to learn. And for me, that was always making. So like if we had a school project, I always wanted to make a model. Hmm. And, um, so that I think there were early signs of like, this is just going to be in my DNA. And for whatever reason, when I was like 10 years old, if we had any electronics that we were getting rid of, I took them all apart and like, saved all the motherboards because i thought that they like the detail and intricacies of them were fascinating and then i would try and put things back together i was the tinker toys and lincoln logs kid like legos was my pure joy so i would say like it's cool to trace back your like how your mind has kind of always worked and then it kind of comes to fruition in adulthood with um with, with ID. So that was always there. And then in high school, my pole vault coach, he worked at Nike and he was the one that sort of connected all the dots for me. Um, not necessarily intentionally, just knowing me, he was like, I think you would like industrial design. And so I had gone to work with him when I was like 17, I went to the Nike campus and I job shadowed him. And I was unaware of his prestige with the brand. And he basically just works exclusively with athletes, which is Mm -hmm. not common. Um, You know, there's like 15,000 people that work on that campus. And his job is to sit down with like Tiger Woods and build Tiger Woods shoes. So that was really cool. And I didn't realize that like, hold on, you can like draw and get paid. (laughs) Like the starving artist route is not one that we all have to take. So... I realized that day when I went to work with him, like, this is what I want to do. And it became like very specific as to like, I want to be a Nike footwear designer, which was annoying, I think for the next five years <laughs> mm-hmm. to anybody that was like in my space. But, um, yeah, I went off to design school. I went to Arizona state, um, and got into their program. Cause after fr- freshman year, they only take the top like 30 kids And so I passed milestone, got in and like, I just had never been so determined to do something, uh, ever in my life. Like I think having, anytime you have like a singular goal, it helps you, you know, get to where you're going faster because you're not taking all these exits. You just kind of stay on the freeway until Mm -hmm. you get to your destination. So I, oh, it really is snowing out there. I yeah. <laughs> um I went through ID school and then interned for Nike um in women's training and golf between junior and senior year. And then I got recruited back and I went to the Nike running team for a year and then I went to the Cleated team and that was cool because I think I wasn't going to know what to do with myself if I didn't get that job. Like Mm. that was all I wanted and, or to like design for Audi or something, but I didn't have a transportation degree and I um, am not naive in how Mm -hmm. stylized you have to be for that. Um, so yeah. Um, I got the job and I think, you know, when you go from undergrad to real life, you have a skill set, but you're not necessarily sure how it applies. And once you get into a corporate setting, like there's a lot of um, like process that you learn that you have to learn and that like how your creativity fits into that process. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was interesting because I felt like that was a lot to, that was a big learning curve. Cause it's one thing to sit at your desk in college and like draw all day and like go through your, go through your design process and then come to a product at the end of it. And like you know, present it to the class. That's, Mm -hmm. it's a very, that's a very like linear thing. And that's like all of your decision-making, but when you're actually working in the real world, you're on a team. And Mm -hmm. so there's so many voices and so many cooks in the kitchen and like, yet somehow you're supposed to stand up and like, um, fight for the purity of the design and, and the innovation and every, everybody on that, like assembly line for the product really has different, like, um, expertise, you know, so you have to listen. You cannot just be like, no, this is what we're doing. (laughs)
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And so that was a big thing was just learning how to balance being, being a a creative on a team and then within a corporate structure of like a product development process. Um, And then from there, I, I, I genuinely was struggling with like a lack of purpose in that um, like formula, nothing to do with Nike, nothing to do with like um, hating, you know, anything in particular. It was just like, wow, I'm used to college where 24 hours of the day, as most of us know in design school is saturated with like, you're working, you're eating, you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> so I didn't know how to go. I struggled with that transition for years. Um, like, wait a minute, it's 5 PM and we're going home. Like so um and then i felt like i lost my north star because i had i like i said i had been used to having like a singular destination in mind and now i'm now i made it so now what and i had almost like an identity crisis of i i got more wrapped up in the process of like obsessing obsessing the goal than even the goal if Mm. that makes sense like obsessing the process of how to get there And like portfolio building and like me maturing as a designer and as a person, like that whole process became like therapeutic to me. And then I get to this goal and now I'm like, I have to reinvent myself, even though I'm within like a, a structure that, and just, and just lunging for the next promotion didn't feel like enough, um, satisfaction for me. So I ended up getting the opportunity to go to Africa and that was presented to me through some family friends, just through a conversation. And I was like, wow, I really want to do that. And I had traveled with Nike and just seen, seen stuff around the world that really left an impact. So I quit and I went to work with women and children. And that was amazing because the first time that I had kind of seen other walks of life, a lot of it was heartbreaking Mm. because it's just new. And, you know, our reality is different than a lot of people's realities. Um, But in going to Africa, I actually was just very motivated because I met a lot of people that that like for example there was there was a young man who was rescued by the woman that i was traveling with and she rescued him when he was 5 she put him all the way through school he went through university for architecture and like now has we're the same age has buildings all over the world and wow we opened our sketchbooks and like our our design sensibilities there was like a crazy familiarity no way we were walking around addis ababa talking about like Frank Lloyd Wright and like Zaha Hadid. And I was like, it was the most like crazy to date experiences for me because here we, we came from literally polar opposites Mm -hmm. of, of the world. And I had sort of been championed by mentors and my parents, like my whole life to get to where I wanted to go. And here's somebody who came from literally beating every odd and like came from shoe shining at five years old. Both his parents had died. Like, And now we have like this, we have a very similar reality. Mm -hmm. It was, it was incredible. So that, that really just inspired me because I was like, wow, how, you know, he just got blessed to be rescued enough to, for his mind to develop Mm -hmm. all the way to what it is. And like, um, we don't think about the fact that we just can go to public schools here and then, you know. We have so much like our ease of opportunity in America is so much greater than elsewhere. Um, like it's normal for us to just go from preschool to college. Mm-hmm. That's not normal everywhere. And like, how many people out there are just completely intelligent but are just trapped in their you know environment? And that's not just internationally. I mean, there's people like that in the U.S. I don't want to like sideswipe. Mm-hmm. you know, a massive population here as well. But it was just that particular experience that really like made a light bulb go off of my head. And, um, and so I had come back from that trip and I was like, well, I need to basically marry my heart with my brain. My heart is in an, in moments like what Africa represented to me, which was helping people, um, putting other people in front of me, loving on people, um, just, trying to be an enabler for people to have either tools or things or moments that they need that like I can help facilitate and that's really what my heart is but my brain and my skill set is about design mm-hmm. and so um, I started my brand called d Peroni, um, which is Italian by Peroni mm-hmm. um, and that is more more so a project to me than it is a brand it's yes it's like, accessories it's furniture it will be footwear at some point um, a few apparel pieces but the point is to host you know moments like this group chat later today and um, you know do do podcasts like this where we're talking about the things that we know but it, the goal is to help other people with the knowledge that we have like hopefully I can save you from jumping off the cliff that I accidentally fell off of you know, when I was 22, because I went through whatever, you know? So yeah, that's, I mean, that's a long-winded answer, but that's, those are kind of the big moments that like have changed pivot pivotally changed the direction that I go. And I really thought I was going to be at Nike for 15 years and I would be a, you know, a VP or, you know, maybe one day the CEO or something. I had like just real intentions of climbing the corporate ladder. And then at the end of four years, I was like. Um, I'm going to Africa and just shocked myself and shocked all my peers mm-hmm. and my leadership. And like, um, but I love that when you, when you just choose, um, you choose to commit to something and then you just jump and, and you either figure out how to fly on the way down, or hopefully you have some type of parachute in that process, um, I had my parents that were super supportive of whatever I did, not necessarily financially speaking, but like, we, Mm -hmm. we believe you're going to figure it out. Um, and I know that not everybody has that. So I really want to give my effort to being, you know, a support system for people. So,
0: yeah. Um, I think everyone needs to experience something like what you just explained to us, you went to Africa. Yeah. Um, five years ago, I went to Mexico City. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents are from Mexico, but yeah. I've never been there as an adult, so I, I never um, really connected with. Yeah. Until I went there as an adult, and um, you just start to really appreciate, even if you have a mediocre life in the states, you just appreciate. Yeah when you get humbled by going to a different country and seeing yeah. how people live, yeah. how they are struggling and how they survive and yeah. um, the people that, yeah, there's so many people that I met in Mexico and I'm sure just like you, people that are forever have changed yeah. y- your way of looking at things and your appreciation for stuff. And then you just realize that dumb things that you go through here, it yeah. just, not worth it because yeah. there's people who are actually, yeah. like you said, against all odds, yeah. right? Yeah, I think uh, as designers, people us designers we we design sometimes on a global scale, and it's really important to understand how others live. Yeah. So
1: yeah, it's in, it's insightful. I mean, I think anytime I've talked about this with several peers, and one of the girls at the the conference that we spoke at talked about how important travel is to design Mm -hmm. because i think like you said that we design on a global scale but a lot of that come like your sensibilities and your understanding in design comes from your depth of insight around people
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and one you know if you look at like 18 year old girls in beverly hills like you can't that's not like a, that's such a skewed, you know, view or population. And so I think the more you travel and just expose yourself to like, you know, cultures, walks of life, um, just yeah. norms, it you just gen you genuinely think differently. Yeah, which is really cool yeah. that you learn.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure, and I think you know, like like you had mentioned, you're in Chicago for a very particular reason because there's a lot of people, yeah, requesting and asking you, hey.
1: Yeah.
0: Um and I think I think the the real reason why you're here is cuz you inspire a lot of people. Mm. Um you inspire me. I think that's why we reached out to you to come to our revision conference. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just the beginning of what you're doing. And like you said you had mentioned you shocked yourself, you shocked your colleagues when you left yeah. left Nike, but but um maybe the reason why people were shocked this because people play it safe. Yeah. And I do not. And I, and I <laughs> think, yeah. And I think I'd rather not, nah, I'd rather yeah. we only have one life Yes, and I don't yes. want to play it safe. Yes. So.
1: I love the idea of swinging as hard as you can, yeah. you know, and like there, I mean there's a way to do that recklessly and there's a way to do that calculated mm-hmm. um but I really do think that that's the thing that gets that gets people's blood flowing is like um they see people that take extreme you know, and, and either you, you get two responses when you, when, when you as an individual choose to swing hard, there's, you're, there's going to be two responses. One, there's going to be, people are going to be inspired because they wish they could and, or they, or they want to, and now that you've done it, they're going to, mm-hmm. or, or they're too scared and they're jealous that they that you're brave enough to do it and they're not and so then you get the backlash of people's you know opinions and i've, I've definitely experienced yep. both but i think the point is to have the confidence to swing and then just don't look back and like no, yep. i you're gonna have and this is something that i've been talking to a lot of uh, probably the number one thing that i've talked to people about um is like and what i kind of want to start the group chat today with is like Um, not letting fear paralyze you because that, I think fear is the thing that really holds people back is like, what if I do this and it doesn't work? Or, you know, but I feel that way about what I'm doing now. Like the financial decisions you make in your twenties and thirties, I don't think people realize affect, well, for sure in your thirties, but even in your twenties, highly affect, you know, your long-term financial success. If you're in like, like meaning I'm in a high risk situation right now. Mm -hmm. My I've started a a legal entity that I'm, you know, financially responsible for that greatly affects like I could have lots of money in five years because it took off or I could be highly in debt in five (laughs) years. And that affects the rest of my life unless I marry some wealthy person. But I, (laughs) I, I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not going to let that fear of like, if this doesn't work out the way I want it to, that should drive you. That shouldn't paralyze you. That should be like an incredible motor that's constantly in fifth gear. Mm -hmm. And I think I see a lot of people where their, their mindset is like they're so afraid of, of the, the drawback or the, the con or the fall or wiping out when they jump out of the plane. And my thing mm-hmm. is like, just keep flapping harder. Yeah. <laughs> just keep playing. Yep. So, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's also people that you, I don't know if you have experienced this, but there's people that when I make decisions that I look up to and sometimes throw barriers at me because they don't necessarily agree with mm-hmm. what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And that's heartbreaking because mm-hmm. you expect them to support you. Yeah. And
1: yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah, for sure. I I mean, again, that's the same thing as like just having the confidence that when you make a decision or you're going to take a risk that you're all in because there's going to be lots of feedback. Yeah. And, um, You're, you're the only person I put that in this little deck of like, you're the one that has to drive the vision. Like nobody else is going to drive your vision. Once you make that choice, Mm -hmm. um, to, to, to do something, nobody, nobody else knows what's in your mind. So you have to set yourself up for endorsement.
0: Yeah. Let's, um, switch topics over just because i i feel like you're coming from la right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. beautiful la sunny probably like 80 degrees there right now (laughs) i do apologize that it is cold in here we got to turn off the ventilation um, temporarily but um this is just something that won't go away for a real long time Mm -hmm. and um since you're coming from la i just i I feel like you'd be the person to talk to about this because you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, two weeks ago, you know, Kobe Bryant passed away yeah. in this tragic accident, and it sent ripples through
1: yeah the world.
0: Yeah, through the world. Yeah. He was such a huge pop culture icon, huge athlete. Um, whether you agreed or disagreed with what he did, or mm-hmm. I mean, he left. I, you know, if there's ever a book about human history, he'll be in there for sure.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Right. Um, But, you know, I, I grew up with Kobe because I am in the era that Michael Jordan. Right. So I, I'm in the Kobe era. Yeah. So when that happened, it was like a family member died. Yeah. And I was just like it was hard. It was really yeah. hard. Cause I, I don't even know him personally. Right. right? So, right. um, someone who's in the industry of, um, footwear and actually a part and you live in LA and things yeah. like that. Um, I would love for you to share with us kind of like your experience with this and
1: just how that hit
0: and his, yeah, and yeah. his death.
1: Um, well it was, it was, it was emotional. Um, as far as like I had so it was it was Sunday morning when that mm-hmm. happened I had gone um to Kanye's Sunday service actually like right at that I right at that time and I had literally just gotten my car to left to leave and like you go from like such a high of like I, you know, of a church experience where you're, you're, you're having this joyful worship time and then you get it in the car and I get a text from my friend and like immediately called my mom and just started crying. The, I think coming from, from Nike as well, um, and understanding how much of a personable guy he was, people talk about his his Mamba mentality and like the fierceness of the competitor that he, that he was. Um, but he also was that guy that took, took the time to, to meet people. And he was very personable. Mm -hmm. And, um, I personally did not meet him, but the stories of people at Nike and like the, he would come through campus and he would walk around basketball and give everybody hugs and meet people and like make time to engage. Um, and I think anytime, you know, I think anytime people take the care to show that personable side of them when they when they, you know, have the stardom behind them, he I think he knew what he meant to people. Mm. And so it was important to to connect and to to stop by desks and to take pictures and um and I just Immediately, like the rest of that day, um, everywhere was just like somber. Like the whole vibe. It was also like a, a cloudy, like somber day from the weather, and because mm-hmm. it had been foggy that morning. And uh, it was just, it was just a really eerie, eerie day. Uh, and I think, and then I was crying for about like five days after. And a lot of people just continuing. It's the same thing as when Nipsey Hussle died, especially being in LA. Like. Mm-hmm those guys to LA culture specifically um Kobe Mm -hmm. being with the Lakers for 20 years like the um what they mean to the to those people and just the outpouring of love people showing up going to the Staples Center and the stories of people like I used to run home and watch him um I think it goes to show, I think almost the greatest, I hate to say it, but the greatest thing he could have done was die. Um, even mm. though, even though, like, think about if Michael Jordan died now, mm-hmm. his, his, the hype of his legacy is over. Yeah. And so now it's like he, we, we love Jordan. We respect Jordan. We revere Jordan, but Kobe was still in the prime of his presence, in my opinion, because he had done basketball. Mm -hmm. And then now he was starting this off court life that was making, you know, an impact in the things he was starting. And, and, um, and then just being able to have those years to just be a dad fully. Um, it, it, he kind of went out on top in the as far as like his his um, his impact, it, the, the shock value of it just really, I can't even imagine just immediately thinking of his wife and and then mm-hmm. it got worse with with Gigi and the siblings. I can't even just imagine how their their world, you know, to see people unite in pain like this to see you know P, the way he's being honored. Um, I saw something on sports center about how when Gigi's name is called in the classroom, everybody says here. Mm -hmm. And like, it's, it's, it's a good reminder that we might not all be like professional athletes. You don't necessarily have to reach that level of, of stardom, but what people loved about him was, was his mentality, which is something we can all model. And then also, um, his character, just how no. he treated people.
0: Right. Yeah. I think, like you said, I think he's the perfect role model for anyone. It, 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 it's, a, it's a reminder that you don't have to have fame to, mm-hmm. you know, pause and, and, you know, ask, be thoughtful, ask people how their day is because yeah. that can change someone's trajectory. If yeah. they're having an awful day, you know, something small like that really goes a long way. Um, it's really rare. It's really rare when people have fame or they have their big stars. Yeah. And, and I, I get that. And I think Kobe was pretty selfless when he came to that. So, um, yeah, that Mamba mentality, that could be yeah. applicable, like, yeah, anywhere. So, um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that athletes really, um, athletes really represent in culture is – mental toughness that more people mm-hmm. could take inspiration from as far as like they're physically like there was one story I think it was it might have been Alan Iverson or I forget who was who was telling the story about how they had gone to dinner and then AI was getting out of the car and he was like what are you doing later and he's like I'm going to the gym and AI was like well I'm going to the club and like just the the mentality that even after dinner at like midnight I'm going to go and get my shots up like mm-hmm. you know it, there's things that can become cliche in culture but it's also very real like the the commitment to excellence that yeah. he had is that can be applied to any craft
0: Yeah well, I, I, that's it's really awesome to really hear you talk about that, about how, you know, uh, coming from Nike and things like that and experiencing that and then being an LA, yeah. you know, resident. And so that um, I'm really happy that I was able to ask you that just because I've been wanting to talk about this. Yeah. I, I just don't know with who because it's just such a like I don't know like I feel like I have to be there you know
1: yeah it affected I think it's interesting that it affected everybody as deeply as it did I mean that's what that's what tells you what he meant to people yeah um, because people feel like they lost a family member and Mm -hmm. that they never met and that's that's a big deal
0: yeah yeah that was that was really tough um but um you know, you you're still kind of you're doing amazing things, and like I said, I think this is the beginning of what you're going to accomplish in this one life that we we talked about. Yeah. What are some other things, other goals that and visions that you want to 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 do while you're here? What are some, um, you know, since we're talking about Kobe, um, yeah. and I've talked about legacy before on our podcast, Um yeah. Usually when we wrap up our podcast, I ask our interviewee, it's like one last question. What do you want to be known for? And mm-hmm. that's a very heavy question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important. I know it's a really loaded question, but I think it's important for people to start thinking about it now because that can change what you do with the rest of the time that you have here on earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah,
1: yeah. My, I mean, the word that that I've been that I've been like, uh, I don't know, nesting on or just cultivating is enabler, and I've said that before, and and I think that that will come to life through several avenues. Um, But I really want to be a change agent, and I think you know I. I was talking to one of my homies about this a couple days ago was like, I live in LA. So I see, I see a lot of, look at me, look at my money, look at who I'm with, Mm. look at the hype, look at, look at the the cool things that I'm a part of. Look at my cool clothes, look at my cool car. I got the house in the Hills, like, and people just flock to those individuals. Mm. Um, And I think that there's a lot of people with a lot of influence to the point of Kobe, that, um, that when you take that power, I don't know any other word than power, uh, when you take it and you, and you flipped, you flip the script and it's not about me and it becomes about you. Mm -hmm. Um, that's when you real that's when you start making like like uh like lebron with his i promise school or like the legislation around you know paying college athletes the he's he's taking his power and he's flipping the script mm-hmm. and he's and he's literally changing communities and changing um environments and and cultures so I would, I would call like LeBron an an enabler. I would call Kobe an enabler, um, Michelle and Barack an enabler because of what they're, they're taking the position that they're in and they're amplifying and they're multiplying what they have for other people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a, I'm a believer and follower of, of Christ. And I love that. Um, that, parable or that story in the bible of the um five barley loaves and two fishes for people that aren't familiar there were thousands of people gathered in a park to listen uh to jesus speak and they wanted to feed them but they didn't have enough food and more or less they blessed the food that they had and it turned into so much more and so i love that the principle of like what can be, what, how can you bless or work out what you have or work with what you've got so that it multiplies Mm. and it feeds thousands of people and it could be physically, it could be mentally, whatever, whatever that is. And I think that's what, that's what, you know, Kobe did. That's what LeBron does. Um, and I'm most closely associated to sports. So those are the names that come to mind, but, um, that is my intention with my life is to be an enabler and to be, you know, a, a change agent and like um, almost an incubator for other people. But what that requires is for you to reach a level that like you can do that. Like if LeBron didn't focus on basketball and become one of the best, or if Kobe didn't focus on, on hoops and get to the level that he did the legacy and the impact would not even be possible. Mm-hmm. So what that requires of you is to be absolutely incredible at what you do. And You may, you know, you may have fame or you may have, you know, a no face and a no name, but you have tons of money. And those are those are the things that, like, at the end of the day, it's not about I reference having all the nice things in L.A. What if you had all the nice things, but also (laughs) but also put that out for the world to have? Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about physical material things, but like, what if Kylie Jenner opened a school? Yeah. You know, like people love her, love her product. She's a huge inspiration. I respect her incredibly for mm-hmm. her. She doesn't have to work, mm-hmm. but she created something that she wanted to make and that she's passionate about and like works at it. So what if, but what if she also went and, you know, spoke yep. around the country about what it means to be a young woman that is an entrepreneur. What if she opened a school? What you know, no, and that's she, more valuable. She and she gives, you know, like yeah. the fires or whatever in Australia, like they're get. I'm not saying they don't do great things and mm-hmm. give money, but I mean like what if you actually focused on people yeah. and engaging people and helping them. And so um my goal is to just be as incredible as I can at design, because I think anytime you're an expert at something, that's when you start making changes, both for yourself and for other people. So you chase excellence, you chase being an expert, you chase, um, like greatness within your field. And then hopefully, you know, I would say that that means you're going deep in something. And then that allows you to move laterally Mm -hmm. at some point where it's like, well, I want to, I want to step to the left and build a school. I want to step to the right and, you know, post workshops. I want to, you know, I want to build an airplane and fill it with people and take them around the world so they can see things that they mm-hmm. want to see, like whatever it means to get, to give back. Um, so that wasn't exactly a concise answer, but
0: <laughs> no, that was better than I That was awesome. I, why aren't you part of advanced design?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I need to relocate.
0: Yeah. Um, no, that's awesome. I, 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 I think that's that's extremely valuable, and I think, like you said, th- there are people who are make an empire and then just want to be left alone, right? And then there's people who create an empire and then use their influence, right, to then invest in people.
1: You know, I think another great example of that is um, Drake's "God's Plan" song. Mm-hmm. I think that was his highest um, viewed or played mm-hmm. song, and that music video like broke records because people want to feel loved yep. at the end of the day. People want to feel seen. And, um, and I can't remember all the details of the story about how, but a lot of that was really organic, how that, that video came to life. yeah. And like people, those were real people that they were doing things for. And like, and I think Drake even said that was one of his all time favorite, you know, so that's it. I mean, people that the, the science doesn't lie. Like people want to feel the metrics, the, the numbers support this notion that people want to feel seen and loved. And, and at the end of the day, that makes you as a human, like if you die doing that, I don't think there's anything more noble and more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, let's kind of wrap this, this interview up with, I have one more question to ask you. Um, if there's a student out there that's been following you on Instagram, that's been listening to this podcast or just watching your stories and, yeah. and they're like, I want to be like her. I want to be an enabler. I want to bring on yeah. to change. What are, what's an advice you would give this person?
1: Um. Wow. Yeah. I would say tell your story because that's the only reason that people talk to me mm-hmm. is because I tell my story. And I've been... Um, I would say that's what causes people to engage with me. And it's also what's helped me kind of identify this, um, facet of my personality is that I like, I like sharing. I like talking about my process because it actually helps me a lot. Um, but I think anytime you show vulnerability, that's when, that's when people's walls start to come down and that's what allows people to engage with you. Because either they're intrigued by you or they want to get to know you or they want to learn from you or um, they want to be your friend. Um, I think vulnerability is really, really important and and a superpower if you can master it, um, because there is a way to overexpose yourself. And that's not necessarily um, good discernment. But if you can be vulnerable tactfully, um, I would say tell your tell your story, whether it's about design or you know, you didn't have a great day today, but here's how you pushed through. Um, I do a lot of that through my captions in my, in my pictures. Uh, But I've also been like chronicling this journey since I was in college. Like you can scroll to the bottom of my page and see my original sketches of when I was like 19 years old and just learning. And like, now you, now you see all the things like, oh, she went from A to B to C and people want to follow something. So having this like, you know, red thread. Um, I noticed that when I people watch me post sketches and I'm talking about what I want to do, and then I get my first Nike interview, and I posted a picture that I was on campus, and that was the first time I think I got like 150 likes on a picture, and I was like, whoa. Um, but the point being, people want to follow something. They want to. Even Drake says that people want to someone that's working towards something Mm -hmm. and there's something that's very tangible about that. So when you tell your story, when you tell about your struggles, when you tell about like, Hey, this is what I worked on today. Um, show the videos of you, of you working or sketching or, you know, talking about your passion. People love, people love the vulnerability. And, um, so I would say, yeah, just tactfully start crafting your voice about how you're going to speak about what you're doing And the, the thing that automatically happens with that is you start branding yourself and people know her for, you know, I had friends in college say like, you've branded yourself really well. And I was like, wow, I didn't know, Mm -hmm. but it was just because I was just being who I was, which was, I never shut up. I keep talking. And that's mostly because that's how I'm, I'm literally thinking as Mm -hmm. I'm talking. And that, um, helps me come to these like thesis statements or, um, this ideology that I've developed for myself and I continue to develop. So when you share that and people want to look under the hood, it's like BTS. It's yep. like behind the scenes and that's what people connect with is the real, the raw, the uncut. Um, so yeah, tell your story, tell it with tact and tell it with vulnerability.
0: Well, thank you so much for being on context. That was um... This was a very lovely interview. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, this is great. Thank I you. some There's a lot of other for having me. interviews that some people don't open up about. Sure. That's totally okay, too. But um, I think this is the, like you said, the raw, unedited stuff that really gets to people's Yeah. Really core. Uh, we're human core. beings. Yeah. Like,
1: we're human beings. That's the thing yeah. that I always come to is, like, everybody wants to look so put together all the time. Yeah. And, like... I like winning. I like being mm-hmm. being good at something or or chasing being good at something. But at the end of the day, we're all humans, yeah. and that's that's the thing that keeps us connected.
0: Yeah, we we'll shake so, people up, you know, shake their core.
1: Yeah, um, you gotta you gotta wake out like wake up and jump out of bed for a reason. Yeah, and I think when you feel connected to other people, that helps you to like you know have that motivation.
0: Yep well thank you so much and uh yeah we look forward to um what group you chat. are yeah to the group chat and for those who are listening thank you so much we'll we'll connect um you know everything that Brittany's is doing in our little blurb when we post when we publish this uh, podcast and uh, we'll see you next time
1: thank you